Welcome to Breaking Bread. Welcome to Fellowship in the Word with Minister Daniel Abola. Here is where you receive insights about God's Word that will stir you to action. Be blessed. This Breaking Bread Bible class, we're looking at Sola Scriptura. And I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk about Sola Scriptura in a bit, but I want to lay a quick foundation for something. Hallelujah. I want to lay a quick foundation. Um first I think I think we should know that we should know so this is the plan for Bible for Bible class. I will have you know that it's not it's not a one hour meeting. It's not a one hour meeting. Praise God. Alright, somebody shall glory. So let's start with Psalms chapter one. Praise God. So this is like the flyer said, a Bible class. Do you understand? So you are supposed to be here with your Bible, your notepad, and your writing materials. Bible notepad and your writing materials. So open to Psalms chapter one. Praise God, people of God, are we together? So Psalms chapter one from verse one, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Verse 3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Praise God. And you know, I I was I was going to take a different direction originally for this um particular teaching and I think just some days ago the Lord just pointed my attention to to this particular verse. And here is the thing. It says, verse 2 says, His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. And while reading this part just, it really, it really shook me. I don't know how to explain it, but maybe, you know, I, I, believe, I believe we are Bible students here. I don't know. Probably you've read a scripture and it was like it hit you different. Not, not particularly because you got some revelation from it, but it just bared witness with your spirit. He says his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. Praise God. God wants you to delight in his word. God wants you to delight in his word. God wants you to enjoy his word. Praise God. That's, this is primarily the way to enjoy God. This is primarily the way to enjoy God. In his word. Not, it's not really by prayer. I know we love to pray. We love to fellowship with God. I mean, when, when, when you hear the word fellowship, when someone says, you know, I want to go fellowship with God. It's usually prayer that comes to our mind. 
but we primarily fellowship with God through his word because God is his word. Praise God. God is his word. God is equal to his word. We know God by knowing, knowing him in his word. Praise God. And the truth is, you can't have a relationship with someone who you don't know. You can't worship a God you don't know. You can't fellowship a God you don't know. Praise God. You can't fellowship a God you don't know. And so God wants us to delight. God wants us to delight in his word. God wants us to delight in his law. And he says, in that law does he meditate day and night. Day and night. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a fellowship that does not end. In the morning you are fellowshipping. You are meditating on that word. The word is burning in your heart. In the, in the afternoon, in the evening, in the night, it's the same thing. You with the word, the word on your mind. Praise God. That is koinonia, and that's what God wants. That's what God wants. Hallelujah. It says, blessed is the man. Blessed is that man. Blessed is that man. The term blessed is, uh, is the Hebrew word esha. And it means to be intensely happy or intensely fulfilled. There's just this, there's just this fulfillment. There's a sense of fulfillment that comes on us when we fellowship with God in His Word. There's, it's, it's like a bubbling joy. Praise God. It's like something fills your spirit. You just can't explain it. I remember when I was in 200 level. I just, you know, I, ju I just made up my mind to, you know, become a serious Christian. I just received the gift of, you know, speaking in tongues. And I remember, so we had a break. It was uh, a semester break. We had a break. Or was it a strike? I can't remember. But we shall had a break. And I remember everyone was so eager to go home. Everyone just wanted to go home, rest, relax. And I remember myself and this friend of mine that I had, all that was on our minds for that break was that we wanted to study God's word. And I remember, I remember during that break, I studied the book of Matthew and I was, I was so happy. I was so joy. I was, you know, there was just this wonder that I had, like, this is the word of God. I'm reading it for myself. I understand. So this is what God was saying. This is what God meant. This was his plans. And it just brought so much joy and excitement to my spirit. Hallelujah. That's what it means to be blessed. That's what it means to be blessed. And this is what God wants for us. Hallelujah. Psalm 63 from verse 6. Quickly run there. Psalm 63 from verse 6. It says that when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Praise God. Um, this is KJV. Another version puts it that I, rem I will remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. In the middle of the night, I will remember you, O God. 
I will remember you, O God. I will meditate on you. I will meditate on you. Praise God. What what comes to your mind when when um when you read the scripture that says, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God." It says, "Man shall not live." What do you think that scripture meant? What do you think it meant? It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but we shall live by every word. Every word. Jesus teaching his disciples to, to pray. He says, uh, pray in this manner. Give us this day our daily bread. And we understand in scripture that uh, he was talking he was talking um, symbolically about himself because he is the bread that is come down from heaven. Praise God. Praise God. God wants koinonia. God wants koinonia. And this was how man was designed to live. By the words that come from the mouth of God. Praise God. And so my... My primary assignment is to help you fall in love with God's word. It's to help you fall in love with God's word. Praise God. Let me tell you something. It's, it's bliss like you've never experienced before. It's bliss like you've never experienced before. Falling in love with God's word. Hallelujah. Looking into God's word, understanding his nature and his character. It blesses you. Oh, what a privilege to know God. To know God. It says, for this is life eternal. To know you, the only wise God. This is life eternal. To know God. To know God. Hallelujah. I'll come back to that. But let's move on. Let's talk about um, solar scriptura. Okay, so I want to do a quick defense for the word of God. Praise God. I want to do a quick defense for scripture. We are talking about sola scriptura. And what it means, it's Latin for by scripture alone. It simply means by scripture alone. That's what sola scriptura means. By scripture alone. And I'm going to come back to that. But I want to, I want to make a quick defense for scripture. So, um, we understand, we understand from the Bible that man was created by God. And I want you to know that it is not only believers that support this claim. It's not only the Bible that supports this. Do you understand? That man, because there are some people, I'm making this defense particularly for those who do not believe the Bible. You know, there are some people that say, you know, I don't believe the Bible because it was written by a man. Praise God. And it is, it, it is true that the Bible was written by a man, but it was inspired by God. All right, let me not get ahead of myself. So we understand from the Bible that Man was created by God. Hallelujah. Man was created by God. Um, um, we were made in the image 
and his likeness. Praise God. And being in the image and likeness, man knows how to communicate. He knows how to respond to his environment. Praise God. He has, man has been blessed with reasoning above all creatures. Um, animals can't reason at our own kind of level. Praise God. So he has been blessed. He, he has been blessed with um, certain faculties that help him express the nature of God. This is this is what um, is called the imagodi. Do you understand the imagodi, image of God? Those faculties that man possesses that helps him express God's image and likeness. Praise God. Now that is that. So God that created this man, God that created this man that can communicate, can respond to his environment, can do this and that, wouldn't it be safe to assume that this God who blessed man with these faculties also has those faculties? Do you get what, you get what I'm saying? So it would be safe to say that God can also communicate god can speak god can respond to his environment god has certain faculties praise god 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 is wise god can think do you understand what i'm saying because man has it and man was created by god we can see of a fact that god has these qualities too praise god and so um the fact that God can speak, God can communicate with his creation, praise God, means that there has to be some form of creation, communication, right? The fact that God can speak, it means that um, there is a form of communication. And one of these forms of communication is writing. It's writing. Like I said, I'm, I'm just making a defense for scripture. Praise God is writing, so it's not it's not absurd. It's not absurd to see that the scripture that we have now contains the speakings and the words of God. Praise God! You get what, what I'm saying. Having laid this foundation, that God can speak, our God. The God that created all things is not dumb. Do you understand? He's not void of reasoning. He can speak. He can communicate. I mean, he created our communication. Praise God. So he can communicate. And so it's safe to say that the scriptures contains the speakings and the words of God. Hallelujah. Please let me know if you understand. Do you understand what, what I what I just said? Hallelujah. So the Bible is God's word in written form. The Bible is God's word in written form. The Bible is God's word in written form. The Bible contains God's word. The Bible contains God's word. Hallelujah. Um, let's open to Second Peter chapter 1. 
second peter chapter one from verse 20 to 21 hallelujah he says knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man but holy men of god speak as they were moved by the holy ghost hallelujah so this is peter here talking about the scriptures when he said prophecies he was actually talking about the scriptures and he's saying that from verse 20 that no pro prophecy no um prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation it is whole it is complete we talked about bible interpretation last month and i said and i said particularly that um a correct interpretation must be an understanding of what the writer intended if the writer did not intend to say something and you get something different from that then it's wrong hallelujah it says in verse 21 for prophecy came not in old time by the will of man it was not by the will of man praise god it's talking about will here and maybe you know this is that one is another broad um aspect maybe we'll talk about that on another bible class it says prophecy came not in no time by the will of man but holy men of god hallelujah holy men of god spoke as they were moved by the holy ghost now what does this tell us it tells us categorically that the speakings of those men were the words of God because they were inspired by God. Praise God. So for those that are arguing that, you know, um, I don't trust the Bible because it was written by man. Well, it says here in scripture that they spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So it's inspired. It's inspired. You don't, it's, it's totally illogical for you to think that God will come down and write his own Bible by himself. Of course not. God won't come down and write his own Bible by himself. God won't come down and record his own words and then present it to man by himself. Praise God. Of course, it has to be through man. It has to be by man. Let me tell you, man, this was what man was created for. Man was created to be a vessel. We were created to be God's mouthpiece. And so when God says, you are Imagode, you are his image, do you expect God himself to come down and represent himself? Do you get what I'm saying? He has already made you an image of him. You are already a representer. So you do not expect god himself to come down and start you know speaking and start writing the bible for man no holy men moved they spoke as they were moved by the holy spirit they wrote as they were inspired praise god holy men holy men communicated with god and they wrote down their experiences praise god do you get what i'm saying now that is that i just wanted to make that argument you know for scripture that scripture does not contain 
the word of God, you know, because it's written by man, um, it's filled with a lot of political agenda, it's filled with a lot of error. Praise God. It's not true. Let me give you another scripture. Um, 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, from verse 14 to 17. 2 Timothy 3, from verse 14 to 17. All right. Uh, let's just read from verse 16. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You know, you know. forget about that second part. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration of God. Hallelujah. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. What is inspiration? You know, Job said in um, Job, in Job 32, I think from verse 18, it says there is a spirit in man and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Hallelujah. So inspiration, I can't remember what the Greek word is, but it means for breath. To come upon something. When God's breath comes upon something, it means it's inspired. Alright, so with that foundation being laid, let's let's go into solar scriptura. Alright. Solar scriptura. So last Bible class, I said I was I was going to talk about church history. And I think last Bible class we talked about history and traditions and how that it's very important, very, very important to understand our history. It's important to know where we are coming from. Any, any culture, any society that does not know its roots, you don't know where you are coming from. You will feel the way you fall into mistakes. You fall into error. Praise God. Because history in itself has, has wisdom. Do you understand? There are many things we are supposed to pull. There are many things you are supposed to learn from it. Praise God. So, solar scriptura. Um, so, the word solar scriptura, like I said, means by scripture alone. And it was one of the great slogans of the 16th century reformation if you can write please write i would advise you write how many of us have heard of the reformation so it was one of the great slogans of the 16th century reformation against the roman catholic it was based on martin luther's disputation of the power and efficacy of indulgences. Praise God. So let me just give a, a brief a brief summary, as brief as I can. So there was a time in the 14th, 15th, and 16th century that the church had risen in power. The church had gained a lot of power. Praise God. So um I mean, they had gotten enough power that the church itself could command armies. The church itself could send armies into war. 
the church's power rivaled, if not greater, rivaled that of political powers. Um, a lot of corruption had entered into the church. A lot of corruption had entered into the church, and uh, the priests, the popes, the bishops, the religious leaders had started selling what was called indulgences. Indulgences meant um, they, they were you had to pay money for certain rights. So they tell you that you pay this certain amount so that um, you would escape hell. Do you understand? This was the church, oh. Praise God. So believers were required to pay their way out of hellfire. They were required to pay their way out of sin. And it was it was all a mess. Um, aside that, there was other forms of corruption. The history is a lot more deeper than this. I will advise you to read on it so that you understand better. And so there was this guy called Martin Luther. He was a priest, and he went into he went to um, the Roman Catholic and saw how they were doing, and he was he, he was grieved by the lack of spirituality, by the by the corruption that was in the church. And so he nailed, he, he wrote in what's, what is called a 95 Thesis. He wrote a 95 Thesis and nailed it to the door of the Catholic. The 95 Thesis contained um, arguments against the rights, the doctrines, and the traditions that the church practiced. Are we following? So... One of those, um, or the summary of that thesis, that 95 thesis that he wrote, were um, what we call the solars of reformation. And the solars are sola gratia, soli Christo, sola fidem, sola scriptura, soli deo gloria, which means um, sola gratia by grace alone, Soli Christo, through Christ alone, sola fidem, by faith alone, sola scriptura, as said in scripture alone, soli deo gloria, to the glory of God alone. Praise God. So what he was saying was that salvation is by distance. This was the summary of his argument against the Roman Catholic Church. This was the summary of his 95 theses. He was laying a, a, um, a whole lot of arguments. He was asking a whole lot of questions. And then he came up with this, that salvation is by grace alone, through Christ alone, by faith alone, as said in scripture alone, and to the glory of God alone. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so Luther, Martin Luther came to the conclusion that the Bible itself should be viewed as the only reliable source of information and authority regarding salvation. Do you understand? The Bible itself, the Bible alone should be regarded as the only reliable source of information. I mean, in those days, um, tradition had so infused itself into Christianity that the Pope 
was seen as the one with the highest authority. Anything the Pope said went. And the reason is that um, the Bible then had been translated into Latin. And it was only those who had formal education that could read Latin. So the Bible was not available to the public. Do you understand? So people had to depend on what the religious leaders said. They couldn't read it for themselves. They didn't have access to it the way we did or the way we do now. Do you understand what I'm saying? So they had to believe everything that their religious leaders told them the scriptures said. Praise God. And so, you know, like they say, uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. There was a lot of corruption. A lot of things were twisted. Um, the then religious leaders exploited the people for money, for wealth. Hallelujah. So they started selling indulgences. Praise God. Um, reducing the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. So people now had to pay their way into salvation. And of course, it, it, didn't, it didn't really mean anything because you, you can't pay your way into salvation. It's something that is received by grace. It comes, it's free. You, you, can't, you can't earn it. I believe we know this. Praise God. Praise God. So, um, we're just going to be talking about just sola scriptura. So, sola scriptura means that the Bible is the infallible word of God. The Bible is the infallible word of God. And this was why I decided to first lay a foundation for the scripture, lay an argument for the scripture. This is sola scriptura stance, that the Bible, this is first, it stands, that the Bible is the infallible word of God. And it takes supreme authority over our lives and in every area it speaks to. Bible is the infallible word of God. Um, it, it has no fail. The, Bible, the word of God does not fail. It does not fail. It cannot be proved wrong. It cannot be broken. Praise God. And it does not mean that it does not mean that the Bible is clear on every issue or question that we have. For example, the Bible cannot answer questions regarding career. Do you understand? Because that was not that's not what the Bible was, you know, written for. We talked about this last um, Bible class, Bible interpretation. So basically, the Bible answers questions sufficiently regarding salvation. Praise God. It answers questions regarding all that pertains to living a godly life. Do you get what I'm saying? All that pertains to living a godly life. All that pertains to life and to godliness. Praise God. So every what it means is that um, every form of reason, logic, traditions, and experiences that we have should me, should be submitted under scripture as our greatest authority scripture what is saying basically 
is that scripture is our greatest authority. Scripture is our greatest authority. Sola Scriptura means that the Bible gets the final word. It means that the Bible gets the final word. Praise God. Praise God. So it means that every, um, everything that we go through in life must be seen implicitly through the lens of the word as believers. Praise God. It's the start, it's the start and foundation of everything we know about God and his glory. Praise God. Sola Scriptura is the start and foundation of everything we know about God and his glory. Sola Scriptura is the start and foundation of everything we know about God and his glory. Praise God. So there are three arguments for Sola Scriptura. Three arguments. There are three arguments for Sola Scriptura. I hope you're writing. The first argument is for the authority of Scripture. The authority of Scripture. And we've read um, some Bible verses. We read in Second Peter chapter 1 from verse 20 that um, holy men moved, holy men of old roots, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Holy men of old wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Let me quickly go on there. Okay. From verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Praise God. So, the Bible, the scripture is highest authority because it comes from God. It comes directly from God. So far, it, it didn't come from man. Praise God. No man has, no man can have preeminence over it. No man can say what it has not said. No man can contradict what it has said. Praise God. So that's the first argument for Sola Scriptura. The authority of scripture. Establishing the authority of scripture. Scripture is highest. It's highest. Every other thing is submitted to it. We scripture God says, God says that He is equal to His word. God says He is equal to His word. Praise God. So except that ideology. Except that tradition, except that idea is higher than God, then scripture has highest authority. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you get it? Um, Acts chapter 17, from verse 10 to 11. Acts chapter 17, from verse 10 to 11. Okay, so this was... Um, 
this happened during one of Paul's um, apostolic expenditures when he was going about. Uh, so he went to the Thessal Thessalonians to preach the gospel to them, but they sent him away. In fact, they, they wanted to kill him. He escaped. And so he went to, um, to the Bereans. Let me just read it. Acts chapter 17 from verse 10. It says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming theater went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Praise God. Now, this is a perfect example of what I've been trying to say. Using scripture as a lens. Praise God. So, these ones, these guys were, were, um, were ready to receive the word. But in as much as they were ready to receive the word, they compared it with what was written in scriptures if it was true. Praise God. They compared it. If it was true, they held scripture as highest authority. This is a this is a prime example. They held scripture as highest authority, such that any other thing that comes is seen in the light of scripture. Does it agree with scripture? If it does, fine, we take it. If it doesn't, it has no place. Praise God. Now the second the second argument is the sufficiency of scripture scripture is sufficient scripture is sufficient praise god let's open to colossians chapter 2 colossians chapter 2 it's a long read but it's going to bless you scripture is sufficient all right i'll just read from verse 1, it says, For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ. Verse 3, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man beguile you with enticing words. Praise God. Now this is where this is where I want to start drawing um, my point. It says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Verse 5, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit. Join and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And as have therefore received Christ Jesus, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So he's encouraging them. As you have received Christ, the way you are going like this, just keep going. You, are, you guys are doing well. I have beheld the steadfastness of your faith. I have seen your consistency. I have seen your favor and is encouraging them as you have therefore re received Christ Jesus. Just keep on walking in him. 
rooted and built up in him and established in faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Verse 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Praise God. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also are ye circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Praise God. So he says, our circumcision is one that is not with hands. It's not a physical circumcision. Praise God. Um, verse 12. It says, we are buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the oppression of God, who had raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, kneeling it to, to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a, an, a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Verse 16 says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of any holy day of the new moon of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the bodies of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, introducing into those things which he had not seen, vainly puffed up by his flesh, fleshy mind. Praise God. So here is what Paul is saying. He's saying that so he 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 um explained to them their current reality in Christ. He says our circumcision is not one made of hands. Praise God. It's not one that can be seen. Hallelujah. He says we have been buried with him through baptism. Meaning that when Christ was buried through baptism we were buried with him. Praise God. We're still going to talk about baptism some other time. Um, buried with him through baptism. It says, when, we, when he arose, when God raised him from, from the dead, it says, through the operation of the power of God, when, when God raised him from the dead, because we were baptized into him, we arose with him. Praise God. He's now saying that, because of all these things that has happened to you. It, by the way, he also said, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has quickened us together with Christ. Praise God. Blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances. Blotting out um, the accusations that were made against us when we were in sin. Praise God. It says, let no man therefore judge you in meat. Let no man therefore judge you in drink. He's saying, don't let anyone tell you, okay, this, this is how you should now behave. Praise God. Don't let anyone condemn how you act. Praise God. He was implicitly talking about the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. 
we are now free from the old religion. We are free from the tradition of men. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do we get what, what I'm saying? Praise God. Okay. Uh, I think this scripture explains it better. First Corinthians chapter 4 from verse 6. First Corinthians 4. You can also open to Mark chapter 7 from verse 6 to 9. Mark 7. I think you you get it now. Mark 7, 6 to 9. 1 Corinthians 4, 6. Mark 7, 6 to 9. 1 Corinthians 4, 6. Alright, Mark 7. Let me let me do Mark 7 first. Verse 6. It says, This is Jesus speaking. He answered and said to them, Elijah has prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honored me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do, do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things, such like things you do. And he said unto them, Fully will you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your own tradition. Praise God. Praise God. So he's saying here, remember, um, Judaism had a lot of um, traditions that they kept. Praise God. But we see in the light of the New Testament that those things were a shadow of the good things that were to come. What are those good things? The, the works that have been fulfilled in Christ. Praise God. A lot of which we are going to talk about in the Bible study. Hallelujah. So he's saying now that um, by scripture... Because of scripture, we don't need strange traditions. Praise God. So, those traditions that these guys kept represented or he helped keep their religion. Do you understand what I'm saying? He helped keep their religion. So, there were instructions. Um, don't dress like this. You must not dress like this. Um, uh, um when it is so 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 time, this is what you must be found doing. Um, if this, if you come into contact this with this thing, you have become unclean. Therefore, you must do this. You must do that. Praise God. And he is now saying here that um, those things have passed away. He says they were shadow. They were a shadow of good things to come. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, what we see in Scripture, the revelation of Christ is sufficient for us. That's what, it's, that's what he's saying. The revelation of Christ is sufficient for us. Because these people that Jesus Christ was speaking to here were Pharisees. They were the religious elites. Praise God. And so, Scripture, the, the Scripture that they were reading day and night... 
was testifying of Christ that was to come. And when the Christ that was to come had finally come, they couldn't recognize him. They couldn't recognize him. They, they, didn't, they didn't have the humility to, to leave those um, old practices, those things that they were doing, and embrace Christ and follow Christ. Praise God. Does someone get what I'm saying? So the revelation of Christ in Scripture is sufficient for us. Is sufficient for us. The good things have now come. The good things have now come. And that is enough for us. And that was why Paul was saying in Colossians chapter 2 that this, 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 and this has happened to you. You were baptized into Christ. He has blotted out all your transgressions. He has taken away the ordinances. Praise God. So therefore, do not let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone beguile you. Praise God. These things that have happened to you is enough. It's enough. Christ has redeemed you by the blood. That is enough. Praise God. You don't need any traditions for redemption again. Do you get what I'm saying? Because Christ has redeemed me by his blood. I don't need to keep any traditions for redemption because I have been redeemed. Do you get what I'm saying? Praise God. So there is nothing there is nothing new. There is nothing new in Christ Jesus. There is nothing new in Christ Jesus. Praise God. The moment Christ said it is finished on the cross, it's, it's, it was actually finished. Praise God. There is nothing new. There is nothing new. So when, when you see somebody that says, the Lord spoke to me. He said this, this, this. Go to this. <clears throat> Praise God. So far, it does not agree with what scripture says, with what Christ said about you. It's, it's not it. Hallelujah. What Christ has done for us in scripture is sufficient. It's sufficient for salvation. It's sufficient for salvation. We don't need any, any added thing. We are good. We are fine. Praise God. The word of God is forever settled. God's word is forever settled. You cannot add to it. You cannot take away from it. Praise God. We have all we need. We are sufficient for salvation. What we have in Christ Jesus is sufficient for salvation. What we have in Christ Jesus, you don't need to take out of it. You don't need to add anything to it. There is, there is no new thing. There is no new revelation. There is no new rema. Praise God. What do you do? You embrace it. You embrace it. Scripture, scripture is sufficient. It's sufficient for you. It's enough. Praise God. It's enough. What Christ did, what Christ did and finished is enough for me. Hallelujah. It is enough for me. 
what Christ did and finished is enough for me. And so when you see people who who start to debate scripture, you know there, there is something wrong. You know there is something wrong. When people start debating scripture, eh, why, eh, why, did he, why is this one like this? Okay, I agree with this one. I do not agree with this one. Praise God. I mean, that's what, that's what is happening in our day now. People selectively picking scripture. That is, not, that is not the sufficiency of scripture. The sufficiency of scripture requires that you embrace it. It is enough for me. It is enough for me. I don't pick some and then leave some. Praise God. The whole counsel of scripture is sufficient for me. I mean, we read from um, 2 Timothy. We read from 2 Timothy 3 from verse um, 16. It says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Oh, sorry. Let me read from verse 15. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, and that from a child... You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. It says the Scriptures are able. They are able to make you wise. They are able to make you wise unto salvation. Praise God. So it's not, it didn't say part of Scripture. Or this this um, place in scripture, he was talking about the whole canon. The whole um, council of scripture is sufficient. It's enough for me. Hallelujah! Somebody say it's enough. It's enough for me. It's enough for me. Hallelujah! Glory to God. Praise God. All right. The third argument for Sola Scriptura is the clarity of Scripture. The clarity of Scripture. The clarity of Scripture. And the idea behind the clarity of Scripture is uh, that anybody can pick up the Scripture and you know, understand the principles of salvation. It is not that we do not now need um, teachers anymore. It's just that anybody can pick up scripture and understand the basic things about what it says about salvation, how to be saved, what should can I do to be saved? Do you understand? It is by faith it is by grace through faith alone. It is the gift of God. Praise God. Praise God. Are we getting it? So that's, that's what the clarity of scripture is pointing at. Scripture, scripture is for, for that purpose in your area. Those seemingly uneducated people. 
people with blue collar jobs. Praise God. Scripture is for them too. Do do you know that? Because there are sometimes that we feel or we get the idea that um these guys these guys are not worthy. Scripture is for everybody. It's for everybody. Because Christ died for everybody. Hallelujah. Do you get it? It's for everybody. The the less privileged, those uh, those who can't afford means scripture is for everybody. Hallelujah. Um Martin Luther, the guy we talked about that nailed his 95 thesis to the door of the cathedral cathedral. One thing that made his idea fly was that um, because there were a lot of people that tried before him to reform the church. Do you understand? But um, their idea was not able to fly. But the reason why his idea was able to fly was because during his time was the advent of the printing press. Do you understand? So one thing that he did was that he translated the Bible from Latin to the languages of the people. Do you understand? So everybody could have their own copy of the Bible. And so people could read it for themselves. People could read it from the, for themselves. Translated it into French, into English, and to German. Praise God. So people could read the Bible for themselves. They could understand the Bible for themselves. Because the Bible is for everyone. It's for everyone. It's for that sales girl. It's, it's, for, it's for the for the ag bureau on the road. Praise God. Uh, let's read Psalms 119. Psalms 119 from verse 130. Psalm 119 verse 130. Praise God. It says, The entrance of thy words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. To the simple-minded fellow. The person that it takes a while for the person to grab. The entrance of the of God's word can gives understanding to that person. Praise God. Do you get what I'm saying? Praise God. Second Corinthians chapter eleven from verse three. Second Corinthians eleven. This is Paul speaking. He says, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through subtility. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Hallelujah. There is simplicity in Christ. Because Christ was, is meant for everybody. Christ is meant for everybody. Paul was talking in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. was talking about the wisdom of God. And he said that... Uh, that uh, God used the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He used the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Because when Christ was coming, when the Messiah was coming, he did not come in a way that was obvious. 
Praise God. He didn't come in a way that was obvious. And when he was going to use men, he did not use he did not use people were, that were known in society. He did not use the religious elites. Praise God. Rather, he chose fishermen. He used babes, people that you wouldn't think could amount to anything in society. Praise God. Praise God. That, that, that was the wisdom of God. He brought his plan to fulfillment in a ways that the wise would not have expected, did not expect. Praise God. And he says that had they known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Praise God. Christ is simple. It's simple because he is for everybody. There is simplicity in Christ. Because he's for everybody, every single person. He says, and uh, um, on the last day, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. He says, upon, upon your, your, son, um, your handmaidens and servants will I pour out my spirit. Praise, praise God. Upon servants, upon slaves, it says they will also pro pro prophesy. Because Christ is for everybody. Christ is for everybody. Christ is for everybody. We're going to talk about this during the Bible study. So that's the argument for the clarity of Scripture. Now, the last one. So this last one, I was the one that added it. And I added it because it is, it is necessary. So the argument for the authority of Scripture was the strongest argument in that day. Praise God. In the time of the Reformation, this was, this was the primary argument that um, Martin Luther made, the authority of Scripture. Praise God. Praise God. And uh, over time, over time, one, there, there is just one emphasis, the sufficiency of Scripture, the clarity of Scripture. But this particular one, I think it's important. It's important in our day. And it is the necessity of Scripture. The necessity of Scripture. Praise God. Praise God. The necessity of Scripture. Hallelujah. Let's open to Isaiah 8. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah 8. Isaiah chapter 8 from verse 16. It says, Bind up the testimony. Seal the law among my disciples. And I will wait on the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob. And I will hope in him. Verse 18. It says, Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. Hallelujah. Verse 19. It says, And when they say to you, Seek those who are mediums and wizards, 
who whisper and mutter. Should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? Verse 20 says, To the law and to the testimony, if they, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Um, I want to read verse 19 and 20 in the message translation. There is a way the message translation puts it that I really like. Now, if you have message, you can t- turn there with me too. It says, when people tell you, try out the fortune tellers, consult the spiritualist. Why not tap into the spirit world? Get in touch with the dead. Verse 20 says, tell them, no, we are going to study the scriptures. Praise God. It says, we are going to study the scriptures. We are going to study the scriptures. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, there is there, there is a desperate need for us to pay apt attention to the word in our day. There is a desperate need. It says, verse 19, when people tell you, try out the fortune tellers, consult the spiritualist. Why not tap into the spirit? Praise God. In our day, you you would, I mean, we already see these things. People will come to you with different ideologies. In fact, they are not even going to come to you outrightly. They are going to hide their ideologies in concepts, in their movies. Praise God. They are going to hide their ideologies in different areas of culture, in different aspects of culture, in different facets of, of culture. Praise God. So it's even, it's even a, a lot more complicated than that. Praise God. They are not going to come in a way that is obvious. But we are going to study the scriptures. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are going to study the scriptures. Um, someone open to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Haliko shembre fahatesash. Emandi kumbro fesoshek de kabahal. Ilimandes. James chapter 1. From verse 22. Uh, it says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers alone, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For when for he beholdeth himself and goes his way, and straightway forgeteth what manner of man he was. Praise God. Now, this, this is the danger. This is the danger that you can forget. Praise God. In, in, in the midst of a people of, of, uh, of, who serve strange gods, who their God is themselves. Praise God. In the, in the midst of a, of, um, a people of contradiction, Praise God, who uphold no moral standards. You can forget who you are. 
Praise God. You, you, son of Zion, that has been sent into the world. Praise God. Zerubbabel, planted in Babylon. <laughs> you can forget who you are. Remember the parable of, of uh, the sower, of while men slept. It says that after the farmer had sowed good seed, it says an enemy came and sowed tears among the wheat. Now, that wasn't what, you know, what really caught my attention. What caught my attention was that when they found out, when the servants found, found out that an enemy had done that, the, the, the farmer said they should not, he said, leave it. Let them grow together. He says, let them grow together. Praise God. Let them compete for, for space. Let them compete for resources. Praise God. Let them struggle. Hallelujah. So, in a world of contradiction, you can forget who you are. You can forget who you are. Praise God. Praise God. It says, Jesus in Matthew 7, I think chapter verse 34, he says, he who hears these sayings of mine and does them, he says, I will liken him to that man that builds his house upon a rock. He says, and when the winds and the waves came and beat on that house, it was not moved. It was not moved because it was founded on a rock. Praise God. Praise God. There is a necessity for scripture, let me tell you. Let me tell you outrightly, you can't survive. You can't survive this, this current age. You can't survive this current age without scripture, without being grounded in the word. Praise God. Scripture says that, uh, 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 and be not conformed to the word, world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing your, of your mind. I find out that every day, every day, I have to renew my mind. I have to remind myself. Praise God. I have to remind myself. I have to meditate every day. The word meditate is the word um, melatoa. It means to revolve in your mind. I have to revolve in my mind every day the words of God, what God has said concerning me. Otherwise, I will be swept away. Praise God. It is easy in this our day to be swept away. Open your Bibles to Colossians 3, verse 16. Colossians 3, 16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you. You know what? I want you to read this as I read it. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 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 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. There is, it's not just let the word of Christ dwell in you. There is a level 
to which your investment of the word must be. It says richly. Let it be so abundant in your heart. It said your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it dwell and abide. Praise God. It says man shall not live by bread alone. There's something I want to show you from, from that particular verse. Matthew chapter 4 from verse 3 to 4. It says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written. It is written. I don't know when I was reading this particular verse. It is written just kept on. It just kept on flying to me. It is written. It is written that man shall live by the word. Hey. Praise God. So even it is written, says that you should live by the word. Praise God. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. By every word. See, in, the, in this current world that we live in, you can, if you want to last, it is by it is written. It is by it is written. Praise God. Are we together? It is by what? It is written. It is written. Remember what we said in when we're talking about the authority of scripture. We see everything, everything in the light of scripture. It is written. When you are tempted, it is written. Praise God. We need to we need to um embrace the practicality of God's word. God's word can be done. See, God's word is for us. It's for us. It says that be not hearers alone, but doers. But doers. It is those that do that when they when when they look into the word as in a mirror, they do not forget. It's not just hearing the word. It is doing the word. Praise God. It is those that do. Jesus says that um, he that hears these sayings of mine and does them. And does them. Praise God. We need to, we need to embrace the practicality of scripture. Practice scripture. Scripture can be done. Scripture can be done. Remember the parable of the sower. Those that, those that beared fruits were those whom scripture says it profited them. Praise God. It profited them. Bearing fruit is synonymous. Bearing fruit is synonymous with doing the word. It's, on, it's synonymous with doing the word. Praise God. 
in this generation, this our generation, we don't read our Bibles. Let's not lie to ourselves. We don't. If it's prayer, we can pray. <laughs> we, we they pray. <laughs> no matter how well you pray, I'm telling you, there's somebody that, there's somebody that is praying better than you. No matter how well you pray, I, I've seen people that can pray. I've seen people that, uh, but when it comes to studying the word, we don't we don't place as much emphasis on it. We don't place as much emphasis on the word. And I dare say, you know what? Let me just put it this way. The word of God is equally important as prayer. Let me just for the sake of argument, the word of God is equally important as prayer. What I'm trying to say is that you are supposed to study your, the Word of God. You are supposed to study your Bible as much as you pray. As much. Bible study is not, it's not the second It's not the second thing. It's not the thing that comes after. Praise God. It's not the other thing. Because we emphasize, we emphasize prayer a lot. In fact, to an extent, we've idolized prayer. We've idolized it. Prayer, pr- prayer has almost, I said almost though, it has almost lost its value now. It's almost because it is possible for someone to go to the place of prayer and miss the essence of it. Miss the essence of it. Prayer that is supposed to be a means of com- communion with God is now just for, you know, just building yourself. You know, you don't want to, you want, you want to feel, want to feel like you're charged. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said in Matthew 28 from verse 20, he says, go into the world and make disciples, make disciples of all nations. He didn't just say preach the gospel. He said, make disciples. Train people. That's what it means. Train people in the way of the Lord. Go into the systems of the world and train them. Train them in the way of the Lord. Let me ask you now. Let me ask you now. What what can you what can you teach? What can you teach? Who are you discipling? Because that's the commission. It's not just preaching the gospel, it is training. Training people, raising disciples. You are supposed to replicate yourself. You're supposed to replicate yourself. It's not just preaching the gospel. The gospel is important. Gospel is very important, but we are supposed to raise disciples. We're supposed to raise nations. Hallelujah. Scripture says that, Scripture says in, in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul was writing to the Ephesian church. He said in Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 10 that um, the church is supposed, he says that it might be made known 
So the principalities and powers in heavenly places, the manifold wisdom of the of 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 Christ by the church. The manifold wisdom of Christ. Hallelujah. So the whole of heaven, the principalities and powers, they are watching. You are supposed to display the wisdom of the manifold. Manifold means the multifaceted wisdom of Christ. It, it is many-sided. Praise God. We are supposed to make them know. We are supposed to make them know the wisdom of God. Scripture in Ephesians 1 chapter, um, Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 21 says that um, he has placed all things. This was um, Paul talking about Christ. He says, God has placed all things under his feet. And he has given him to be head over all things to the church, which is his fullness that fills all in all. Hallelujah. So the church is meant to show Christ's headship. Do you get what I'm saying? The church is meant to show Christ's headship to the world. We're meant to show Christ's headship. Romans chapter 8 says, uh, I think from verse 18, thereabout, or verse 20, it says, um, for the earnest expectation of creation awaits the manifestations of the sons of God. Awaits the manifestation of the sons of God. Hallelujah. In our day, in our day, scripture is necessary. Scripture is necessary. The final scripture I'll quote, um, Acts chapter 28. Quickly run there. Acts 28, 32. I want us to read it together. Acts 28, 32. Oh, sorry, I said 28. Acts 20.32. Acts 20.32. Apologize. It says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. God's word can build you up. Praise God. The word there is oikodomio. Um, it can build you. I know many of us know this term when it is used in prayer, you know, um, building up yourself and your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. The word of God can also build you. It can train you. It can give you necessary training. Praise God. Paul in Second Timothy 3 verse 17 says that, the man of God may be thoroughly furnished. Thoroughly furnished. The word, that's what the word of God does. That's what it does to you. It builds you up. It says, and to give you an inheritance. Hey. To give you an inheritance. Scripture in Romans chapter 8 lets us understand that we are now joint heirs with Christ. You are a heir of Christ. You are a son of God, and you have an inheritance. Praise God. How many of us believe that? You have an inheritance. 
And so what the word of God will do is that it will give you your own. Do you get what I'm saying? The word of God will give you your own. He will tell the word of God will tell you what is yours. The word of God will tell you what is yours. You have an inheritance. But it is the word of God that will tell you what it is. Praise God. It says it will give you uh, an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Praise God. Do we get what I'm saying? It says I commend you. I am commending you. Embrace the word of God. Embrace it. Embrace it. Embrace God's word. Embrace God's word. Let it build you up. Let it train you. Let it fashion you into the man or woman that God wants you to be. Let it show you what is yours. Let it help you recognize your inheritance. Praise God. It says, ask of me and I will give you the nations for an inheritance. Ask of me. Hallelujah. Amen. Right about now, just, just begin to pray silently in the spirit. Pray for one minute. And as you pray, I want you to meditate. Just think about the things that you've heard.